Our passage this morning is found in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We'll be talking about the feeding of the 4,000. Mark 8, beginning with verse 1. I'll be reading from the ESV translation. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away... Hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The gospel of Jesus. As I read this miracle of the feeding of the 4,000, you, like me, probably asked the question, is this the same miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000? Many scholars throughout centuries have tried to compare the two miracles, and they've tried to say they're the same miracle. Uh, One critic even said that, that the disciples should have known better, and they shouldn't have even asked the question, because... Just a few days before, possibly, they encountered Jesus feeding 5,000. And then when Jesus asked the question, what do you have? And they're saying, how do we feed the people? Uh, The disciples should have known better. In the words of one critic, he said, the stupid repetition of the question from the disciples is psychologically impossible. But as you begin to compare the two miracles, you'll see that they are distinct from one another. There are many similarities But there are also many differences. And so this must be a separate miracle than the feeding of the 5,000. So let's look at the comparison between Mark 6 of the feeding of the 5,000 and Mark 8 of the feeding of the 4,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, you saw that the crowd was with Jesus for one day. The feeding of the 4,000, the crowd was with Jesus for three days. In the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples found five loaves and two fish that Jesus multiplied. In the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus or the disciples found seven loaves and a few fish that Jesus multiplied. We saw in the feeding of the 5,000 that the people sat on grass. And in this context, the people sat on the ground. The grass may have been dried up. It may have been hard ground. The feeding of the 5,000, it talked about how the disciples later picked up 12 basketfuls of leftover leftovers and the feeding of the 4,000 the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers big difference there and then obvious the obvious difference is in Mark 6 we learn that Jesus fed 5,000 and in Mark 8 we learn that Jesus fed 4,000 perhaps the most obvious is when Jesus later referred to the two as distinct miracles shortly later uh, in in Mark chapter 8 when he described it this way uh, he went on to to say this, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to Jesus, we took up 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And then he said, do you not yet understand? The point Jesus was making was, he was saying, beware of the Pharisees and their leaven around us. They're on a boat. This was after Jesus had fed 5,000 and then 4,000. They are now on a boat with one loaf of bread. And Jesus asked them about the bread of the Pharisees. And yet they're thinking he's talking about literal bread. They see one piece of bread and they said, how are we going to eat with one piece of bread? And Jesus looked at him, uh, really? <laughs> Did you not see that I multiplied these loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people? And I multiplied loaves of bread and fed 4,000 people? And yet you're asking the question, Do we don't have enough bread? Seriously? Now, before we throw the disciples under the bus, how often are we like the disciples? How often do we forget the blessings God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, the miracles that God has given us by, stoning, by, by turning our, our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, by awakening us spiritually. That's a miracle. We're all walking miracles because God has changed our hearts. But yet we often forget those things that God has done. And we live in the moment, we live in the here and now, and we forget. The disciples did the same thing. And you've heard it said that repetition is the mother of learning. No wonder Jesus did a similar miracle twice because he wanted his disciples to get it, but yet they still didn't. And so just like the disciples, we are in the same boat often when we look at our spiritual life and we forget, easily forget. Well, now that we've seen the two distinctions of the miracles and how they are two distinct miracles, uh, let's talk about what Jesus actually did in this miracle. And because this is Outreach Sunday, I wanted us to think about what it means to care for people. And Jesus is our great example of how to properly care for people. And there's five ways that Jesus cared for these 4,000 plus people that day. The first thing he did, he, he was compassionate to others. Then we see that he was aware of their needs. We learn that he was responsive to their needs. He was entrusting to others. And then he, he was deliberate in his service to them. So the first way that he cared for his disciples, or for these people and his disciples, is that he was compassionate uh, to them and to others. Look again at verse 1 and 2. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Compassion. That's the word that jumped out to me when I read this miracle. Compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion when he did ministry on this earth. What does compassion mean? It denotes an emotional reaction so deep that one feels moved at what we call a gut level. It's as if Jesus felt gut-riching empathy for the needs of those faithful listeners. He felt empathy at the deepest level. This was common for Jesus to do. It was a common feeling that he had. And I, and I immediately thought about two other references in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, 
teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In this instance, Jesus saw the needs around him. He saw all the brokenness. He saw people who uh, needed healing. And as the great healer, the great miracle worker, he healed them. But what led him to heal them was compassion. He had compassion for them. We also saw in Matthew 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So many times, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus distinguishes himself from everybody else because he healed the blind, the mute, the lame, the disabled, the paralyzed, the deaf. Jesus was in the healing business. And he did it because he was compassionate towards people. Perhaps the greatest difference between the two miracles of the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000 was the audience. When Jesus fed 5,000 people, and scholars would say it, actually he fed around 15,000, because 5,000 was just the number of men counted, so you include women and children, you're probably going up to about 15,000 people that Jesus fed that day. When he fed five 15,000 people, he fed primarily Jewish people because they were in the region of Galilee. And in that certain area, he was ministering to Jews. Well, fast forward a few chapters later in Mark 8, and where is he? He's in the Decapolis, which was a primarily Gentile region, which tells us that Jesus didn't just focus in on one particular people group. He was focusing on everyone he came to contact with. People of different tribes and tongues and people groups and languages. The Gentiles. This is huge for us to understand because Jesus, when he was here, he didn't just pigeonhole himself with one particular set of people who acted like him, who thought like him. But yet he got outside of his circles and he ministered to all people, believers and non-believers included. In the same way, we're called to be like Jesus, to get outside of our comfort zones, to get outside of our circles and our walls and to interact with people who aren't like us who don't think like us, who don't look like us, and who don't act like us. People of different ethnicities, people of different socioeconomic groups, we're called to love all, just as Jesus showed love to all and showed compassion to all. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul described it this way. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, to all people. You know, this past uh, two weeks, I was at Maxwell Air Force Base because I'm a military chaplain, and and I was in a classroom with people of different ethnicities, people of different religions. I sat next to a Jewish rabbi. I sat next to a female chaplain. Uh, That was interesting. I I, I sat next to uh, several African-American chaplains of of different uh, religious groups, a Greek Orthodox priest, and it was challenging to my faith. Um, It was also... Uh, it was also good for me uh, to be around people who weren't like me. They, they understood where I stood on certain things, and we could agree to disagree. And at the same time, I met some new friends. I say that because it's important for us to get outside of even our church walls and interact with people who don't know Jesus and who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who are different than us. That's exactly what Jesus did, and that's exactly who Jesus calls us to be. Uh, William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army years ago, 
uh, he created the Salvation Army, and they had a convention that he was supposed to be the keynote speaker at. He couldn't show up and, because he was sick, and so they asked him, they, they called him, and they said, uh, Dr. Booth, you were supposed to be the speaker. What kind of theme or, or what kind of message do you want us to convey on your behalf? He, he gave one word, others. That was his theme for the conference, others. In the same way, we are called to have compassion towards others, others. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So let me ask you a hard question. Do you love people that aren't like you, that may think different than you? Are you interacting with people who aren't like you? And if you're not, I would encourage you to do so to the best of your ability. I know there's only so much time in the day. But to the best of your ability, just keep your eyes open, have the eyes of Jesus, and look outward. That's exactly what Jesus did. So the first thing that Jesus did when he cared for others is he was compassionate to other people. The second thing we see in this text is that he was aware of the needs around him. Uh, Verses 2 and 3, it said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. You know, uh, being aware of people's needs is half the battle to service. We simply just need to open our eyes and we'll see needs. I mean, the last year and a half have brought on all kinds of needs in our own families, in our own church, and in this community as we're battling this pandemic. You just open your eyes and you can see the needs. But the reality is, is we've got to be aware of what's really going on. And Jesus was aware of what was really going on. He understood who he was talking to, and he realized that they were with him for three whole days. He could probably see their body language. They were getting tired, but they didn't want to leave him because he's Jesus. And so he looks at him, and he says, we got to feed these people, because if we send them on their way, they're going to faint, literally. They, they might die because they, they need food. He was aware of the situation. So many of us were just tunnel vision. We're just focused on the day-to-day task and what we have to do today because we're in a crazy busy world that we aren't aware of what's around us. And just simply being aware of what's around us is half the battle. Jesus was aware of the needs, and that helped him to address the needs. You know, a little over a month ago, I was at a a luncheon with several leaders in our community, and uh, in walks a a woman, her name is Karen Broadnecks. She's the director of the, the Department of Children's Services. And Karen has an unbelievable job in trying to get kids in foster homes and get them adopted. And she literally pulled me aside, and she said, Seth, and she's in tears, and she vents to me for 20 minutes and she said I am over my head right now because we are getting flooded with kids because parents are either abusing them they're neglecting them they're sending them to us and she said we have literally had kids sleep in our offices because we have nowhere to put them she said please help me and as I heard that, I'm, I'm just broken heart. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we got, this is an need we got to address. So I'm, I'm now taking it to our pastoral network, and we're going to talk through how can we help Karen? How can we help the foster care network in our, in our community? But I bring that up because I wasn't, I was somewhat aware, but it literally took Karen to pull me aside in tears and say, help me. Please don't be like me that day in the sense of not being fully aware. There are a lot of needs out there. And you're going to hear about the needs, if you haven't already, from our 12 partners. 
I encourage you after the service to interact with them at lunch and ask, tell me, what's going on in this community? What, what needs are you addressing and how can I help? And perhaps God is calling you to step in and to help. But we've got to be aware. And as we're aware of the needs that come up, my question then is, what do we do? Do we just sit back and say, oh man, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry you're struggling. I'm really sorry this is going on. Or do we do something about it to the best of our ability? Many of us will hear about needs and we'll say, oh man, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And then we just kind of wait for other people to do something. What did Jesus do in this miracle? He didn't just become aware of the needs. He rolled up his sleeves and he responded to the needs. Verse 4, his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before the people and they set them before the crowd. Compassion and awareness leads to action. Compassion and awareness leads to action. As you have compassion in your hearts and you become aware of the needs, then you're able to respond accordingly and faithfully. Jesus responded quickly to the need. He rolled up his sleeves and he took action. You see it here because he looked around and he said, what resources do we have? They brought him the bread and the few fish. What did Jesus do? He's God, so he multiplied them. He was able to feed them all. I bring this up because Jesus is the ultimate resource. <laughs> He's God. And as we hear about needs that come up in our own families, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our world, God might be impressing on your heart to address a specific need. And as you hear about that need, it could be very intimidating because there are a lot of big needs. When we just heard from Amy a minute ago, we heard about human trafficking. That's intimidating. It's like, I don't know a thing about that. I need to learn more about it. It's intimidating. But the reality is, is as you feel compassion to address that need, it might be overwhelming, but all of a sudden you begin to respond, and then you begin to see the resources that follow. You begin to see how Jesus helps you meet those needs, and he provides the resources you need. I'm still blown away that two years ago, there were about 10 of us pastors meeting with local leaders, and they came to us and they said, we've got a drug problem in our community. They said, can you help us? And after that meeting, we all looked at each other and said, we don't have the slightest idea about drugs. None of us have been high. None of us have experienced cocaine or heroin. We never did that stuff. We don't have a clue how to deal with this addiction. But all of a sudden, we started praying, and God began to bring us the people who were more aware of that kind of crisis. And now we were able to start Renew Clinic. But it happened because people just said, here's a need. Can you help us? And we said, well, we don't have a clue we don't have the slightest idea what to do, but we're going to trust that God will do something about it. And God has given us incredible people to help address that need. In the same way, you might be intimidated when you hear about all this stuff, and you might think, well, I'm just one person. I can't make a difference. Well, sure you can. Sure you can make a difference. Don't spread yourself so thin where you can't help anybody. But focus in on one thing and do it well and trust that God will provide. But the reality here is that we've got to respond when we hear about a need. I'm pleased because uh, about a month ago, we had uh, one of our own here, James Fusaro, uh, who was serving in New Jersey. And he was serving the Afghani refugees. And as he's serving them at this Air Force base, he's looking around and he's seeing thousands of children and Afghanis who are here in America. And they literally have the shirts on their back and they're in sandals. James is in New Jersey and he's saying, uh-oh, it's starting to get cold. 
He said, these people have nothing. They got nada. They've got, they've got the shirts on their back and they got sandals. And so he calls me and says, I don't have the slightest clue what to do, but do you think your church can help? And I said, let me see what I can do. All of a sudden, you all responded, and we gave a large amount of clothes uh, to help provide for these people during the winter season. We also were able to connect with other local resources, and now we're shipping an enormous amount of clothes up to New Jersey for, I have heard, around 12,000 now refugees. Again, James, 25-year-old guy, he looks around, he says, there's a huge need. I don't have the slightest clue what to do, but let's see what God will do. And God opened the floodgates. In the same way, you may have that pressing on your heart. I don't have a clue how to address this need. But I want to be faithful and I want to try. Well, try. And you'll be pleasantly surprised of how God will provide the resources for you. But the key is to respond to the needs when you hear about them. The fourth way that Jesus cared for others in this text is he entrusted others to help. The word entrusted means to put something into someone's care or protection. It means to assign the responsibility for doing something to someone. Jesus knew, even though he was God, he could, he could do it all. At the end of the day, he was still in human flesh. So he was just one man in one place and one time. And as he looks around and he sees more than 4,000 people, scholars would say there could have been 12,000 people in this setting. He's looking around and saying, you know what? I need some help here. And he entrusted the help of others, his disciples. And he asked his disciples to help him. Look again at verse 6. He directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that, that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied and the disciples took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. What this tells me is that Jesus entrusted the help of others by looking around him and seeing, this is a huge crowd of people. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. Disciples, I need your help. So he delegated responsibility. He recruited their help. He asked them and he, and he said, I need your help and this is how I need it. This is what I need you to do. And they just jumped in. They not only served the people, but then they collected the leftovers and I imagine that leftover food was given to the poor, the needy. We don't know that, but it could have been. Uh, the reality here is that whenever you begin to address a complex need that arises, you can't do it all on your own. You've got to enlist the help of others. It takes a church. It really takes a church to not only raise up children and to care for children, but also to impact this community together. We can't do it alone. And so as you, as you hear about needs, realize, okay, I'm only one person. God can use me. And at the same time, let me try to recruit others to help me address this need. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The fifth thing that we saw here of how Jesus cared is he didn't just enlist and, and trust others to help, but he also was deliberate in his service. And I'm really glad... The text in this miracle ends this way. Verse 9 and 10. There are about 4,000 people. He sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Why do you think that's in there? I like that it's in there because it reminds us that we, when we serve people, we need to be deliberate. We need to have a goal in mind. 
We might even need to have an end date to that serving. The point of the matter is, is that Jesus fed this large group of people, and then he sent them home. He didn't keep feeding them. He said, now that you've been fed, now that the need has been met, go. Go on, and you go meet the needs. I bring this up because it's a sensitive matter in our culture today. But as we begin to serve other people, we can fall into the trap and even have the tendency of continuing to help people. But in the end, it actually hurts them. Because as we continue to care for them, then it will create a a mindset of entitlement. We might even create dependency. And they really become enabled. Jesus didn't just feed them. He fed them, and then he sent them on their way. We are called to not feed, just feed people fish. We're called to teach them how to fish. Jesus was so deliberate when he was here in his mission. He came and he knew, I'm not just going to focus in on a certain group of people and just stay with them for my three years of public ministry. I'm going to impact as many people as I can. And Jesus was all over the place, caring for all kinds of people. Seriously, he could have just spent all his time focusing on that 12,000 people. That's a lot of people. But he knew his mission was to continue to spread his gospel and his love to as many people as he could. There are seasons where we'll need to provide help for people for long time. It could be a month, it could be six months, it could be a year, year and a half. There are particular cases where it might require more of our time, resources, and effort. There are also cases that might be a one-time thing. But the reality is, is that we all need to be deliberate in how we serve. And if you're a person that, used, that is used to just being served and not giving back, I really want to press in there and, and encourage you to get beyond yourself. It's not just about receiving because it's better to give than to receive. And just as Jesus constantly gave his life to others, so we are constantly able or we're supposed to give our lives to others. And here's the other thing I want to say. Every single one of us in this room, every one of us will have a time in our life where we are going to rely on others for help. It's inevitable. We will all need the help of someone or a group of people at some point in our lives. When that time comes, don't hesitate to ask for help. Ask for help. Tell them, this is my need. Please help me. And then, as you get back on your feet, it'll be your turn to help others. Again, it takes a church to help one another and to help this community and to care diligently and faithfully for one another. So how did Jesus serve in this particular setting and throughout his life? Well, he cared. He was deliberate, or he was compassionate to others. He was aware of their needs. He was responsive to their needs. He entrusted others to help him, and he was deliberate in how he served others, empowering people and not enabling people. So what about you? How can you care for others today? What is God doing in your mind right now and in your heart? What is he calling you to do that you're not yet doing? What is he inspiring and challenging you to do? I would encourage you, press in. Get to work. Get busy. 
and, and just trust that God will provide for you as you serve.